0: Welcome to our our spiritual care roundtable. We're going to talk specifically on pediatrics. So thank you for all of you that are here and joining us virtually. Um, And um, I apologize for my, um, EF instead of a regular file, I sent it to myself in the wrong form, but we're just going to roll with it. Um, So what are we doing? so um, essentially we have some guests, which I'll introduce here in a minute, some IHI people, and um, we're going to try to just prevent, present a few cases and go through those and kind of kind of use those more as like jumping off points. It's not really an, an M&M or anything like that. It's just um, a framework for us to talk a little bit about spiritual care of pediatric patients. And our goals are we want to prepare. Um, Because hopefully you'll all be seeing pediatric patients and trying to um, minister to their spiritual needs um, and improve upon our skills, our knowledge, and then encourage each other because sometimes it's easy, but sometimes it's hard. So, um, and then I would like to just start us off in a quick prayer, if that's okay. So, uh, Father God, thank you so much that you love us enough to leave our world, not in the brokenness that it's in right now, but to send Jesus your spirit that we could partner with you in the work of redeeming this world. And thank you for giving us the chance to work with patience and love on them and be your hands and feet to them. Come alongside them, Lord, and bear witness to your goodness. God, and you are so good. You are so faithful. We praise you and we thank you for all that and we ask you to send your spirit to give us wisdom knowledge compassion as we talk today in jesus name amen Amen. okay so um yes we have some special guests i'll do them last so we have dr morgan Dr. Morgan is very special because she was on call last night. Thank you for coming, Dr. Morgan. <laughs> he's also our pediatrics activity director and faculty member, for people that don't know. We have Dr. Lee, um, who's a second-year resident and uh, volunteered to be here, even though he's on FMIS, and I can attest to him being a full-grown man on the basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> um, he nominates me. And we have Dr. Saucer. She's a third-year resident, and um, thank you for being with us, Dr. Saucer, and also um, Dr. Saucer's had a baby in October, Um, so she's very experienced with pediatrics, Um, her second child, and um, we have um, special guest, Dr. Uh, Kim Terry. Thank you so much, Dr. Terry, for being here. She's a pediatrician at Broken Arrow and a community preceptor. And we have um, Reverend Cody Freck, um, and he's got a lot of letters after his name. You may notice. Um, so he is not, I didn't even put it on there, but he's the chaplain at the pediatric in pediatrics at St. John's. So the seventh Also, um, he has a lot of experience in. Is it oncology or pediatric yeah. oncology?
1: Uh, not pediatric oncology, just
0: adult oncology. Adult oncology as well. So he brings a wealth of experience and a, and a different perspective as a non physician So really excited to have you guys. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day in the middle of the pandemic. So um, I think what we're gonna do is just kind of go through a few cases here and then um, there'll be lots of time for discussion. So um, I'm gonna try to um, keep us moving because we got a lot to cover. So I'm gonna to try to mainly focus on you guys talking a little bit, but um, if we reach a lower or, or um, you guys have something you really want to add, just raise your hand. Uh, okay, so our first case is a 13-year-old female presented to the ED after a substance ingestion. On further history, the patient took 25 tablets of her own citalopram, an antidepressant, in an attempt to harm herself. She remained symptom-free, but due to the suicidal attempt, was kept inpatient until placement for a psychiatric bed about next morning psychological social and spiritual history was obtained the male figure in the room introduced himself as her father so that he has nine biological children with nine different women i don't know how that came out but okay
2: <laughs>
0: she came to stay with him just recently because her mother had been allowing other men to abuse her she said she had been diagnosed with, quote, every mental health disorder that exists and that she doesn't think she has any of them, but knows she's, quote, messed up with the severe trauma in her life. She did not want to disclose any other past trauma. That's enough. Okay, so first of all, what are some comments? Um, I'll just scroll back up, but what are some comments on this case already?
3: That's a lot. I feel like if I was the resident that came into the room and walked into this, I would be I how to act sometimes. I feel like I would not know how to process information. And, but then at the same time, um, for her to even say that to you is immense. Um, I've had a, the opportunity to, to work with a few trauma people. It's hard to get them to open up, but she actually admits that she actually had trauma in her. And she admits to other people abusing her. And she admits to to all these different struggles that she has at home. And that, to me, shows me that um, this person's door is not completely closed. And so um, that's something that I think is that's dealt to me in in this. That part's dealt to me a lot.
2: Absolutely agree with all that. their
1: comments I, I just from my perspective trying to take that story and I really feel for this person too how did it say what age was 13 13, mm-hmm. I believe yes so this little so I have a 12 year old at home mm-hmm. so I'm thinking you know if her life looked like that I can't imagine going through so much and as you said the fact that she, referencing that stuff is a big deal because you know <laughs> my daughter just being none of this thank god that's a lot of i don't know, yeah. you know <laughs> that's, that's a lot of what i get even working in pediatrics i get that home you ask questions you're trying to get a little deeper i don't know maybe they do maybe they don't but they're not it takes a lot for them to open that up so she's really created what we would refer to as like a sacred space by allowing you in and that's a big thing so even hearing that,
3: like, I automatically just start. that's a huge thing. Well, depression adults sometimes, and they will come in with a bunch of vague, right? a bunch of different things. Oftentimes people who have depression adults have a bunch of diagnoses. And she mentions here, too, that she's been diagnosed with every mental health disorder. that So I wonder, has anyone taken the time to... Really get to know her. Not trying to say, hey, what's wrong with you? Right. But hey, tell me about you, who you are, what do you like to do? What are some of your interests? or yeah. um, what, what what kind of you know shows you like to watch, or what kind of toys, or if you have toys, or things like just to kind of get to know her. Because it seems like to me it's someone who's saying, Oh, I haven't diagnosed everything. I have you know these different people in my life, but it's almost like a cry for someone just to get to know her. And I think one of the struggles with pediatrics sometimes is you have the parents in the room or they may not be in the room, but if, you have, if they have parents, sometimes you can fall into the trap of ignoring the patient mm-hmm. and only talking to the parents. I think this, this is a case where I think it's super important to, to, to talk to the patient. She's 13 too, so she's old enough. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of saying, hey, I see you. I I hear you and I want to get to know you, um, not just, you know, her father who might be very forthcoming.
4: I agree with uh, Dr. Lee and that a lot of times uh, treading gently, um, getting to know the patient, not jumping into these deep things really quickly, you know, sometimes just like you said, asking about things they enjoy or, um, you know, um, recent activities that they've done and, and you'll find that sometimes things soften a little bit and you're able to kind of move in that direction I do you know often have parents step out of the room at some point you know we'll do that initial history um, but sometimes you won't get much information with the parent in the room and so I, I'll say you know we really need to talk but it'd be okay if you step out but I've never had a parent say no You know, they're willing to um, step out but Um, I do feel that it's so important to see them as a person, not as this diagnosis or this issue, but who, like you said, who are you and and, um, really kind of getting a feel for who they are uh, before we jump in and try to start fixing
5: stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would really second that. And I think it's really hard as a resident because you're like there for like a week, maybe two, three days with this. person. You have no idea like how long a relationship you're going to have with that person. So it can be complicated. I think that when I was a resident walking into these situations spiritually myself, like as you guys have talked about, I don't know what to do with it. Like, what do I do with that pain? You know, like, because, right, I'm a believer, but my childhood was very protected. And I'm walking into these really, really painful and dark situations, you know, and like, so how do I, what do you do with that? you know, do I take it all on myself and try to fix it? Do I just ignore it and put up a wall that's the psychiatrist's job, you yeah. know, or it's the counselor's job, or it's somebody else's job, you know, or do I say, oh, they're just going to be here for three days, like, I'm not going to develop a long-term relationship with them, you know, like, I think those are difficult, you know, emotions that we have. I guess for me, eventually, what I came up with was, you know, I'm Totally human, just like she is, and I have no capacity to carry all this pain. And God doesn't want her to carry all that pain, you know, when He, he doesn't want me to carry all that. Like, He's already carried it all on the cross. And so, like, just for me and my mental and emotional health, like I got to the point where it's like, okay, I'm gonna walk into this with this person, and I'm gonna learn scriptures and armor <laughs> up, like you're about to talk about it, like in ways, but I'm gonna like accept that. Christ has already taken all this pain. I'm going to give it to him and then I'm going to try to like find him moving and, and use all these tools to try to bring light and hope into the situation. Right? Because if not, it can make us numb or, you know, be overwhelmed or whatever, you know. Um, that's just one thing I've seen from being a resident and then continue to be attending with a difficult patient population sometimes, you know. Um, that was encouraging to me. And then, as you guys talked about, it, you know what I mean. How long are we going to develop a relationship with the person, and maybe being purposeful about it.
0: So, so I think with with that in mind, I think documentation of this conversation is important, um, and making sure that things are followed up because, like, this is going to take quite a bit um, for this patient to heal from this. Um, <laughs> and, and the other thing too, um, yeah, is, is uh, this idea of awareness, like of how you're, where you're at, you know, with this, because this is some pretty heavy stuff. Um, and then also I just, from a spiritual perspective, I, I felt led to just share that um, this, this girl thinks that she's messed up, you know, and she said that, and, um, you know, I feel like, you know, the Bible talks about that, Satan has strongholds, you know, in people's lives. And that this is my opinion, like looking at this young lady's life, like he's got some strongholds in her life, you know? And, um, and yeah, I think Dr. Morgan made a really great comment of, of how is God moving and what can we do to partner with him? You know, um, and maybe it's just looking at what is the next step um not like how are we going to get this lady completely better just like what's the next step right now to help her so um
4: quick comment to mm-hmm. um to trust what god is telling you about the person in front of you uh, mm-hmm. and the lord you'll find he'll often to give you a word to help them see who they are you know how he sees them so you know be open to that you know the mm-hmm. lord may give you just one word and and it's just like you'll see the river, you know, the seas part almost mm-hmm. after that word comes out of your mouth, but you have to trust the Lord that, okay, I'm hearing from you and, and you want this spoken over this person. So to mm-hmm. counteract that messed up that the, yeah. the yeah. put in their brain. You
0: know? Yeah. I mean, and I, I had that same feeling. Like yeah. if I was seeing this patient that would just like trigger in my mind, like, oh no, like God made you. not messed up right you know he's good he wants good things for you yeah you know or something but um anyway um so let's move on i had some more questions but this is this is just uh so much is happening here but this case and then some more cases so later on the male in the room admitted that he was actually not the patient's father at all he'd been on one date with their mother several years ago and the patient reached out to him and asked for help The mother gave him temporary guardianship. The patient did not have anywhere else safe to go. Male figure identified as Catholic. He said that spiritual beliefs are important to him. The patient said she would like to believe in God and would like to learn more about God as a father. We prayed with her and she was very appreciative. Okay, so what are some comments? Any comments on that? I mean, the story is crazy,
1: but Was it at the beginning? Cause I it may not, it may come up later. Was there social work put involved for like-
6: yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure, yeah. that's
1: my, when he has first, like, well, that's actually my first thought. Oh yeah. yeah. So, I wasn't quite there yet. I was more like, oh, we need to find safety yeah. places. So, yeah. I'm
0: sure, yeah, and and um, I mean, this lady's probably, young lady's probably going to inpatient psych too, but yeah, they need to be involved for sure, um, potentially police or something too, but.
5: You um. make sure a good point, right? We always have to confirm these stories from teenagers, you right. know, because they are minors, and they don't have the capacity to be on their own and independent, so we can't just trust, you know, okay. So, always
0: <laughs> Does anyone see in this story how the person God did? I, I feel like maybe speak a word as to what Dr. Terry was saying, like to the to the provider. And the provider intervened. Do you sort of see that here?
6: She mentioned the father because that was obviously something she was lacking, and. This guy that she ran to and what she sought mm-hmm. out when was a male figure, which is kind of strange considering that was her abusers. That she, you know, males were her abusers. Um, but yeah, I thought that first. You know, if she could find a safe father, like God's always safe, and that would be huge for her. She'd take a lot of trust and faith and. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, as you said, that's like a wide open door, you know, and we we don't always get those. So, like, yeah,
0: yeah, this is a great story. Um, what other things could we do immediately? Now, there's a lot of things we can do immediately for this lady, but especially in her spiritual care. Any other thing that you would maybe think of that you would do or you could do? Give her
6: resources or a tool to be able to take something with her, like a scripture,
0: or... Yeah, you could give her a scripture, yeah. you could give her a Bible. Mm-hmm. i take some passages
3: that highlight
0: God as fa-
3: God the Father, as mm-hmm. goodness. Um, I think, at least for me, I sometimes fall into the trap of viewing God the Father through the lens of my father. And so your father figure in your life almost becomes the way you define God the Father. But mm-hmm. Um, as good as I, whereas your father may or may not be God, I don't know, it can also be a flaw because sometimes your father will have, flaws or you may even have a father in your life. And so then that challenge is challenging for you to kind of view God as a good father. So what does a good father look like? I don't have an example, but maybe bear with him some passages about God as father. He's the good father. and help or maybe start building a relationship with God.
0: Reverend Freck, what would a chaplain uh, consult that's the stuff in this situation? I think that would be something interesting
1: to hear. Yeah, so ours will go a little bit different because uh, you know we just function differently yeah. than you guys do. So a big part for us will definitely be continuing to create that safe space to allow her to express that pain that she's talking about and not stopping mm-hmm. that or trying to jump to anything to fix right away, but just being a safe place to allow her to let exp- that out, it's, for me, I don't have a lot of kids, it's happened occasionally, just let all this out like that. It's almost like she's just trying to find a safe place to go, so I would just continue to allow her to go as far as she wanted to go, but that can take a while. I mean, we, we have a luxury in the fact that I might be there for an hour, whereas you guys don't. Have that, but that's why we can be a great resource for you guys. You know, we can do that, but allow her to do that. And even that's, so, when she mentioned earlier, it's like, you know, I know I messed up, I've been diagnosed with everything, but I don't think I thing for us is tell me more about that. And instead of jumping in and saying, like, oh no, it's okay, you why would you say it? You know, what makes you think that? And allowing her to tell me more because it's amazing when I have a conversation with that people start to tell you, I assume, oh, you're saying this because of this. Okay. And I find out 99% of the time, my assumption was wrong. There was another layer of those things like, oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. And we keep going. So that's a different style because, you know, as a chaplain, we do a little bit different, but it would be for me, if I was the one having that visit in my field would be trying to just allow her to talk as much as she needed to and then doing all the consults and do all that stuff to follow up um although the the curveball him not being the dad when i assumed what she told him was accurate that would have kind of thrown me off of it like oh
2: oh
1: there's, there's a lot more going on so that would i admit, that would have thrown me so yeah. such a good, good tip i think sometimes
3: my mind wants to fix problems These problems are not for for me to fix. I think maybe God's working in this person's life, not me. God can work for me, of course, but I think it's also a good reminder sometimes that maybe what God wants us to do is just to be in that room. Maybe we should
1: speak less and let God speak more. And not to, oh, sorry, go ahead.
4: Uh, I was going to say, one thing I do look for, though, is uh, community. Is there a community that we could connect her to, mm-hmm. like other yeah, grandparents, you know, that maybe could be involved um churches in their area, you know, mm-hmm. that if uh, the man that had stepped in, if he's involved with a, a Christian community, but trying to create more community around her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I really like to do because mm-hmm. we know we're only going to have a brief time with her, so if we can connect to her as she leaves, yeah. That's important. Yeah.
5: I think it's also important to like say that to her. She's a 13 year old with a lot of inconsistent relationships, you know. And then like we come in and we get to pray with her and we get to say all this stuff. And I think it's like good knowledge to acknowledge her. care about her. But right now we're only going to be able to be here for right now in your life, you know, and, and, but there are other people can continue to, and maybe we can in the future too. But I think sometimes like we can end up doing more harm to these teenagers when we don't like acknowledge that, like when they're very vulnerable and when they finally open up and divulge, they're going to latch on to that one person. Right. And that safe thing. And that's a good thing when it's safe. Right. But then We just have to acknowledge, you know, and like thank them for it. And then also just acknowledge their developmental stage that they have unstable relationships. They finally found a trusting place. And then now that place is going to be broken, you know. And so, I mean, like literally we've even had some patients who just keep coming back to the hospital because they feel safe with us at the hospital and the nurses at the hospital more so than they do somewhere else. That's like frustrating for the system, you know necessarily that's all bad, you know what I mean? Like they found a safe place, right? But I think that that's also like appropriate, right? You know, and, and it like I just want to fix it all right now, but I can't fix it all right now. I can acknowledge that right now, like I'm so thankful, you know, that you had this conversation with me you know, and there will continue to be safe people, you know, in the community like Dr. Terry's talking about.
0: Let's move on to the second case. So uh, another doctor sent me this one. I have a 12 year old patient who struggles with anxiety, has autism and is obese, for whom I'm using a multimodal strategy for care and recently became intentional about sharing the love of Christ. Mother was present during the visit. She encouraged responsiveness. I asked about if he knew Jesus, uh, the patient's male, I guess, um, and he pr- if he prayed and read the Bible his response. I go to church sometimes. He was unsure of his commitment. So um, specifically, uh, we're going we're to talk a little bit more, but um, what do you guys think about this? We can comment a little bit more on it in a minute because we got a lot going on with this uh, young man. So when asked about prayer, mom left the decision up to him, and he was agreeable to prayer. I also asked him if he'd like prayer for specific things. I described some verses for him to read, and mom was very on board with this. So what I wanted to talk about was the idea of consent, okay? Um, so um two points i had was the degrees of consent for different spiritual interventions so for example taking a spiritual history is something that we should be doing for all patients um but then when we get more towards like praying or sharing bible verses or you know probably the most intensive spiritual intervention is like sharing the gospel or something right um then It's kind of like you need a different amount of consent. Remember, everything we do, we want to do with respect, sensitivity, and permission. Respect, sensitivity, and permission. So, And then also consent may be different by age. Um, I was wondering uh, specifically not to put you on the spot, Dr. Terry, but if anybody else wants to to mention, though, um, differences in consent by age of patient, you know, by degree of spiritual intervention what are your thoughts on that
4: I think that probably the way I approach it is anything so um, if, if you know I were needing consent to do a procedure from, uh, in order to discuss spiritual matters I would I wouldn't jump in without asking so. If it's agreeable and the child wants to proceed without the parent, he's on board with it. But as a, and I kind of treat it like I'm almost like I would anything that I do in the office. that If something is important enough to require consent, I would treat the spiritual matters the same because I want the parents on board. I don't want to create a contentious right. situation. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, if it's an older you kid, know, so they're 18 and 17, doesn't have to be on board. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never encountered this. I mean, the parents are always on board. I mean, no. I've never, <laughs> even I've had Muslim parents mm-hmm. that were, yeah, we we'll, we'll Yeah, but I'm in a different situation in the office because I have relationships,
2: mm-hmm.
4: so it kind of plays out a little different. Right. So they know me and they trust me. So um, usually when I request something, it's they're on board. So it's harder in the hospital where you have this first encounter, you don't know the family, you don't know the child, you don't know the parents. So I would recommend you know that we do get permission from the parents So we proceed mm-hmm. and just prevent just situation.
6: First visit before you know them, How do you how' was that conversation?
0: we're saying in the the
6: clinic in
0: the clinic okay Mm -hmm. introducing the idea that you may be talking about okay Mm -hmm. yeah
4: so usually for me that ends at the at the very end where i like to pray with Uh patients and so i'll turn to the child say would you mind if i pray for you and then i'll ask and then i'll turn to the parent would it be okay if i pray for the child Mm -hmm. and they
5: both yes then and i proceed real simple Okay. I love that you said you ask the child and the parent, because again, we can get in the habit of doing one or the other
2: mm-hmm. you know, when they're both involved.
5: They're both involved. I really like the older they get, those teenager, preteen years. Uh, independence and (laughs) sometimes a child will say no
4: and then then I'm like okay yeah and I don't force it because I don't want it to become something where they're uncomfortable and they don't know what's going on and again I'll probably see them again and I and that normally changes over time when they get to know me so I don't want it to be something you know where they feel really uncomfortable I want them to be very comfortable with uh with me in the office and how we do things yeah
2: Oh, sorry,
5: yeah, so I just had a quick question actually so when um, I was on FMS a couple months ago we had a kiddo in the hospital who was admitted for SI and mom was almost always at bedside patient was I believe like 16 years old and she was super open to the idea of when I offered to pray with the patient she was open to the idea um, <clears throat> mom on the other hand didn't uh, seem like she was appreciative she was like oh it's it's fine you can pray with her if she's okay with it but I'm going to walk away. So she like got up and like walked away. Like, So in such a situation, um, how, how would you handle that, Jerry? So it was just a very um,
4: interesting. So I would take it as permission. So mom said she's okay. And the, and the girl was like, yes, I'm okay with this. I take that as permission as a yes. So mama kind of just uh, punted it to you. She, she didn't really want to deal with it, but it, there's a no, a no's a no. But to me, that was a yes. She was letting the daughter make the decision. And then your comfort level too, though. You know, if you're really feeling like, I, you know, I don't know that this is going to go well, but that's where the Holy Spirit leads us to. Because I have found sometimes it is pause, you know, just take a pause and maybe there'll be another opportunity where you can circle back because I know we, especially for you guys in the hospital, you're feeling like this is the last time I'm ever going
5: to see this kid.
4: And I, you know, we, and like Dr. Lee said, we want to fix it all now, but it just may be one little word and it may not even be a prayer. The Lord may give you words that you are speaking to her and their prayer, you know, the things that you're saying over her, it's a prayer and she can
5: receive it that way too. Just you know, be sensitive to Holy Spirit, but yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a good reminder about ages, right? So unless they like actually are officially emancipated by the state of Oklahoma, then under 18, they're still technically, you know, you got to get consent
6: Mm -hmm. from
5: the
0: parent. Mm -hmm. For any treatment.
5: Any
2: treatment. Yeah. What about history? Part of your history. Yeah. you yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I, I still think I still think I like to say like you know I'm going to ask you some questions. Some of them are a little weird, but if you're uncomfortable. Just let me know. You know, how many sexual partners have you had? You know, yeah, do you do drugs? You know, do you have any faith or religious preference? So like
5: you know, no, I'm not talking about spiritual history. Right. I'm talking about offering a prayer.
0: You, right. I, I think, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. though. What about the mom? I mean, we're kind of given her spiritual care. Yes. Um, I mean, this mom's got this autistic child with some health problems. Mm-hmm. We're offering to pray. Mom's encouraging. Um, just wanted to point that out. Sometimes the patients are indifferent, but the family members receiving spiritual care. Uh, thank the Lord. That's cool. Um
4: Can I tell you something that happened in the office? I had a, a family that I knew really well and, you know, severely autistic. And they came in, mom and son came in and he was just having a horrible day, a horrible day all day. And she was just in tears and beside herself. And so most of the visit was me just holding mama and hugging and praying over her. And then we came back and addressed the issue. But the bigger issue was just she was having a hard time and she needed somebody. And so that was really...
0: That was a visit. Yeah. So, yeah. Spiritual care. That's what it is. And and psychological care. I
4: mean, in
0: that case too, right? Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. So, um, this doctor said, I haven't had a come to Jesus moment officially with him, but um, I have seen how his care has changed. Previously, would hide from me, but now he is engaging in conversations much more and doing more of the things to help with his care and remember he's got obesity he's got autism like this is tough sledding man I'm trying to get this kid to lose weight right i mean among other things probably like behavioral changes are tough but um we're making some progress so um what are you guys thoughts on the lack of a come to jesus moment
4: no worries no. <laughs> yeah he knows Jesus um, and it may not be that he's articulating the words but I think it's hard you know we can't judge because the words haven't come out mm-hmm. but the gospel has been presented and his understanding may be limited yeah. um, but uh, I believe the Lord has met him you know where he is so I, I don't think we need to push for certain words or phrases um, but just you know.
2: Need to encourage him. Yeah. Yeah. Stifling this family, right? Yeah. God's going to do what he's going to do. Yes. How would you encourage this physician on their whole person care so far? Yeah, it's pretty good, I think. Pretty awesome.
6: Mom board, if mom's a good example, and if mom is strong, then that will um, be you know, beneficial for the child. And if she has the tools and the knowledge and like the boldness to be talking about these things to her kid, then that's always going to do more than what we can do in the office. I think
3: it's amazing how he's actually doing this in the first place. I would say the autistic community is one that we overlook. I think sometimes we wrongly assume that these kids don't understand emotions, don't have emotions or don't, who can't grasp you know who God is. That's not true. I think God created each of these them just as they created each one of us. And I think they're also wonderfully and fearfully made. And I think it's amazing how this provider didn't just look past that, but instead decided, hey, I'm going to actually be intentional with this patient, intentional with this, this mother. I'm going to actually share the share the Share, you know, pray for them and and share Bible the Bible verses with them, that sort of thing. That's that to me is actually amazing. I feel like for me, that'd be someone that I might have missed, you know. And so this is definitely a a reminder to me that I can't like even these patients need spiritual care. Mm -hmm. Patients sometimes bring a lot more joy and my faith a ton
5: because they're easy to overlook and they. People that we forget about, which remind me. My
0: disabled patients, you know. Just three minutes left, so I'm going to try to just hit the high points of this case. 15-year-old male had an anger outburst He's up there on the hospital floor for inpatient psych. We take a full history, which I would say, hey, that's every time, spiritual history. Um, uh And, but, you know, he went into a psychiatric history, yeah, he's got a lot, you know, depression, he's been homeless, um, he's got kind of a strange, uh, talk about his relationship with females, and, um, he said he didn't have any good role models or anyone he could confide in. Um, Any comments on that history? Good history,
2: I think. Um, I haven't gotten to the spiritual part yet but
5: the last statement's probably the most like you know revealing and actionable kind of you know type statement you know like I would think yeah. out of all of that it's like okay you've identified that you don't even have a good model
3: you know like <laughs> yeah.
0: his father left him and his mother
3: how yeah. well, I see this guy like a guy that has no value like, he does not give himself any value because he feels as though my father left me, my mom doesn't want me, I have no home, I'm worthless. And then, he's, then he also talks about how he's kind of using maybe females' relationships with others to try to fill that void. But him being in the hospital is a sign that that's not filling that void. And he's, he's still struggling with that feeling of worthlessness. I think that feeling might be one of the big things driving his depression. His
0: If I was to present the gospel to this patient, I would use that like three circles model. You know, we're talking about the brokenness of the world and people try to fix the brokenness of their heart with relationships, but then it doesn't satisfy. Um, Anyway, yeah, man, that's right on. I think that's great. He also felt confident that the Bible was made up, although he admitted he had never read it himself.
2: He
0: thought The stories were more like fairy tales and he had some evidence they were not true. He was encouraged to find a good role model, read the Bible for himself and seek out what is true. He wanted to talk more.
2: So, any comments?
4: I think i would I would get him a Bible and look for something like a um, the message bible something mm-hmm. really easy to read mm-hmm. for him um and um, encourage him you know read for yourself. be sure you put one in his hand so he's got one mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. That's a great idea yeah.
6: i think the like false confidence is kind of um interesting like really confident in like these um you know in certain ways but like you know are saying it's like it's, it's to make kind of make up for something that's lacking so it's like though uh you know it's interesting how um super confident in certain ways but really wasn't confident it just like coping mechanism i guess something um, the way he deals with life he, thinks he doesn't understand
1: I like the last sentence, he wanted to talk more, Mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting.
6: That's where you come in, right? (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) From our perspective, (laughs) interestingly enough, you know, you'd almost think that my first thing to jump in there be like, oh, no, no, but that's not true. I usually don't when people, because I hear these things, not all the time, but it happens. I rarely engage with it. I just go, okay, you know, because I'm more concerned about what's driving behind it. I think that's where the rule is when we're talking about anger and pain and betrayal from a dad and being left and all those things. And this is a great, you know, thing to argue with somebody with and express some of that anger and do that. And it's like, well, that's not going to be helpful for him. So I kind of tend to sidestep it and try to figure out more what's going on behind it too. So I I just mentioned that because I didn't know if the assumption may have been that I might've jumped right on that. It's like, I I usually don't. I kind of, what's driving the comment and that's where we go is we look we go to the pain and try to build that rapport so it's interesting i i did i had an older man very similar um comments and just then kept moving around and then kept telling me how terrible of a person i was and you know coming in here to preach to him like well oh, i don't preach to people it's not what we do oh yeah anyway and then when i left he shook my hand thanks for coming by <laughs> i you know i wouldn't do that i kept going to what was going on with what was bothering him and that's not into that made a relationship out of that he still didn't like me but you know i think we found some sort of middle ground in there yeah,
3: that's a really good point i think sometimes our delicious jump is we got to defend the bible right we have to defend god but I think in this case, if you're right. If we had done that, it might be actually counterintuitive because this is a guy that has no, again, he, he has a, it comes from a feeling of worthlessness. And if you're challenging him saying, no, you're wrong. The Bible actually doesn't say this. How's that going to gonna be counterproductive in this guy's care? I believe. And I think that's a good point. I think you have to also control our emotions sometimes and just, just listen. Maybe he'll, he'll share more. Maybe he'll share why he thinks that way. And you, maybe you can slowly show him through the way you listen do things why but the bible is different from what he thinks the bible says yeah
4: i'll tell you though a bible with a child's name printed on the front becomes like a treasure you'd be shocked at how like the greatest gift they've ever received if you'll get their name printed on it though Mm -hmm. and um and it's the word of god is alive so Mm -hmm. if they open that i will speak and we trust that. So yeah, if you ever have, have opportunity to get the word into their hands, get it in their hands, put, put their name on it though. Cause it, it's almost like they take ownership of it because of names on it.
6: When you say that, do you mean like you write the name? No, what? I actually get it printed. Get it printed.
2: Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. If you go over to Mardale's they'll print the, you can get the name printed onto the Bible engraved yeah and it really makes it special i mean they yeah, just like, like ah! and they, the, right they almost right always there. gasp while you when you give it to them their names on it it's just like the biggest treasure they've received yeah what
5: was the shop name mm-hmm. mardell's, mar-dell's, 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 mar-dell's India, you done at mar-dell's. my favorite store chain <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been there
0: you this talk is sponsored by Mardell's. <laughs> Everybody
2: go get their Bible. Um, <laughs> so, um,
0: okay, well, I'm sorry that we have to wrap things up because um, I think we could talk for a lot longer. But um, thank you so much to our guests for coming. We give them a hand. For <clears throat> Hope you guys are encouraged. And hey, don't forget, these are highlights, but you may have low lights. But that's okay. Jesus has overcome the world keep, 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 keep work, yeah yes, please.
4: So um, I've had uh, the great pleasure of working with a lot of y'all and um, yes, and you carry you guys carry Jesus. I mean you carry him like bright. And so trust like I said, trust when the Lord gives you a word for someone, it is powerful. It is effective. I have no doubt that the seeds that you guys sow, I mean, there it's a harvest. You don't get to see it. You'll sow little seeds here and there. and You're not going to get to see most of it. But when you get to heaven, you're going to find out that word or whatever action you did. But you all know Jesus. So I'm just so confident every time I meet one of you guys that that the Lord's uh, word and life is going into this earth in a powerful way. So trust that, you know, what God's doing in you.
0: Uh, and don't be afraid to consult the chaplains and, and don't be afraid to put like a little note in there. I usually do like, you know, patient, you know, is, you know, there may be their social situation or, you know, patient feels abandoned by God or something like that, you know, see my note or something else. Um, cause I mean, I've had them tell me like, yeah, we read that. and That really helps us. So, um, so anyway, all right. Well, thank you guys both for so much helping with our so that's
1: yeah thank
2: you. you. Let's take a couple of minutes and then we'll have chaplain time. Mm-hmm.